0: Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God.
1: My name is Matt Malik, I'm the pastor here at Refuge, but I'm going to introduce our speakers this morning. You kind of got a little bit of an introduction to them, to the video. Uh, But uh, this summer, we're doing a special series where we're hearing from different people in leadership here at Refuge. That are sharing their passion and what's important to them. And you know, I wanted to share this with you because if you came in here today dealing with something that's challenged your life, realize that you're not alone in facing your battles. God's gonna help you, He's here to give you something that can make a difference. We entered this year with the theme and the focus of the faithfulness of God. And I want to share a verse with you. It's Isaiah 25, 1, because God is faithful to every generation. His power is unlimited, and he wants to impact this generation. Do you believe that? Isaiah 25, 1 says, Oh, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. That's something we determine in our heart. We will exalt the Lord. (laughs) I will give thanks to your name, for you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. Now, faithfulness is a quality that I believe God has mastered in every capacity. And he demonstrates it in every way as he expresses his love, his concern, and his care for humanity. And that faithfulness is personalized in each of our lives as we look to him. And, and something that uh, Tim and Jennifer are going to share this morning has to do with faithfulness because their passion is to serve the purpose of God for their generation. Now, both Tim and Jennifer serve on staff. Tim is a financial director, and, and it's, he, he really came into that place. It was just kind of a divine flow and God opened that door and he serves and we're blessed to have him. Uh, Jennifer has been on staff a little bit longer than Tim. She serves as a program director for Caneland Christian Academy of Early Learning, Cainland Early Learning, which is a child care center that serves children from six months to 13 years of age with our Camp Summer Fund program. But both... Tim and Jennifer are a blessing, personally to Pastor Deb and I, a blessing to this body of believers, and they serve in this community as as exemplary leaders. And so without any further ado, come on, Tim and Jennifer, they're going to share. And now, we had to tell Tim, you need to give Jennifer some time. And, <laughs> and I also have to say they, they made up with this little argument about who's the best packer okay and so appreciate you guys all right thank you pastor
2: well thank you pastor matt it is truly an honor and a privilege to be a part of this church i believe that this church for me it's the best church on the planet so i don't know about about you so um it 's an honor and a privilege uh, to be up here. Thank you, Pastor Matt and Pastor Deb for the opportunity. Um, Pastor Matt and Pastor Deb are more than just um, our leaders or pastors they more than just a mentor to to me. Um, they are a spiritual mom and dad to to us, and so they have um, spoke into our lives and um, have helped us through the years. Um, more than they can ever imagine um, have they been a blessing to our lives. So thank you, Pastor Matt and Pastor Deb. So today what we're going to do is we want to talk about our passion and so uh, what we burn for. That's the series that we've been in um, in the summertime. And so um, those who have, have known me um, and heard me speak, whether in small groups or, or up here when I had the opportunity. Um, I would speak from um, Philippians chapter three, um, primarily verses seven through twelve. And so Paul is going in that uh, in that discourse in that chapter, and he's recounting all his accomplishments, all the things that that he achieved in life. And in verse seven, he says. Um, Whatever was gained to me, whatever I accomplished, I count it loss. And then he says, I count everything loss for the sake of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And so everything in life, Paul saw, is all loss compared to the surpassing worth, the unlimited treasure of having that intimate knowledge of Christ. And so Christ was to Paul and and should be to us the fountain of all our joy, the fountain of all our satisfaction, his splendor, his glory. Everything that Christ is should be the greatest treasure of our life. Um, Now, however, you cannot separate The body of Christ from Jesus. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 that we are the body of Christ, members, individual members one of another. And so you cannot separate the head, who is Jesus, from his body. So if we are going to treasure Christ, if we are going to have a passion for him, then we have to have a passion and treasure. His body. We have to have a passion for the church. And so that's what we want to talk about today a passion for the church.
0: You want pray first? Why
2: don't, why don't we pray? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy for your grace Lord we thank you uh for what you have done for us in Christ that we are new, crea- new creations in Christ Jesus that all things are passed away All things are become new. We thank you uh, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, everything that you would have for us today in your word, that we would be touched and changed by your word, that the word of God would impact our hearts, that would cause us to go into action in our daily life, Father. And we thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Well. Like Tim said, you know, explaining about the importance of serving God first and foremost, we just want to be really open and real and honest and share kind of our journey, too. Um, You know, we're not telling you something that is unattainable. We actually have put these principles into practice since before we were married, um, Tim and I, we met in high school. I grew up in Michigan and lived there until I was 20 years old, and um, Tim and his family had moved when we were in high school, and they um, his dad was a pastor and had taken over a church there, so we met when we were teenagers, and um, his sister was my best friend, so we all just became friends and started hanging out together, and then we um, couple years later started dating. And we had talked about our future plans and goals in life. And, um, you know, I had started taking college classes and I thought, oh, well, I really love medicine. I had been traveling as a missionary, as a teenager, and I thought, oh, maybe I could do that. And, you know, I had come up with my my own plans of what I thought God had wanted me to do, but it, it just wasn't working. Um, I knew it wasn't really what was, I didn't have peace about it. And so Tim and I just started talking and, you know, we made a commitment together as we were dating and then became engaged that, You know, we were always going to serve God first and foremost in everything we did. We made a commitment that we were going to pray about every decision together, that it wasn't just going to be following necessarily what the world thought we needed to do with goals in life, but really purpose after what does God want us to do. And so it was at that time that we um, had visited Bible school in Tulsa that summer, just with our church, going for leadership training and volunteers. And we we just knew on the inside that that's what we were supposed to do. You know, we were like 19, 18, 19 years old. And so we knew that we needed to move and go to Bible school. So it was kind of like, you know, we did things backwards. We we 19 years old and decided that we were going to move across the country and go to a Bible school instead of going to college and getting a degree. But, um, you know, those were times that I am so thankful for because it laid a foundation for us and our marriage. And we had gotten married um, a year after that in between our first and second year of Bible school. And, you know, it, it wasn't always easy as we sought after God, but We knew that that was um, God's best for us, and it ended up laying a foundation for our lives. So that's just something we really want to encourage you guys with as well. And the scripture verse um, in John chapter 12, verse 26, it says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So, again, it's putting aside what we think we want to do in life and realizing, first and foremost, we have to follow God and serve him. All of us have a specific plan and purpose in life. And we really have to follow after God. And he's going to honor us when we do that.
2: Amen. And so, that verse, John chapter 12, verse 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And if we follow Christ, if we follow Jesus, then we have to turn our back on the things of the world. And sometimes that may not necessarily be bad things. It may be your own personal career or your own desires that you think you want to accomplish. And sometimes we have to lay those things at the foot of the cross and follow his plan and his purpose for our life. Because if if we try to do our own plan we try to do our own thing, then God's grace is not there to sustain you through those times of difficulty. But when you follow his plan and his purpose, his grace is there, and um, you can accomplish so much more in his strength and his ability than what you could ever think about doing in your own In your own strength, and so in back to that verse in Philippians chapter three, verses seven um, through nine, in order to follow Christ, you have to count things as loss. And so, I'm just going to read that verse again. Whatever uh, gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so it's counting those things as loss for the surpassing unlimited treasure of knowing Christ. And so uh, what I want to do here just real quickly is point out um, just something about Jesus here. Notice that it gives three titles for him. We have Christ, Jesus, Lord in verse 8. Christ, Jesus, and Lord. So we have three titles for Jesus. So Christ, he is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He is the deliverer, okay? And then we have the name Jesus. And and Jesus literally means Yahweh saves or Yahweh is salvation. And so that points to that Jesus is our savior. And so in Matthew 1:21 Um, Speaking of, of Mary, it says she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. But notice the third title. The third title is Lord. And notice Paul didn't say the Lord, and we know that's true. Jesus is the Lord. But Paul made it personal. He said, Jesus, my Lord. He has to become the Lord of your life when you give up everything and count it loss and to follow him he has to be the Lord of your life and so let me say it like like this he is your Lord when he becomes your greatest treasure when he's your greatest passion then he is the Lord of your life because everything is directed to please him okay and so the word "Lord" there is mentioned over 7,800 times in, in, in the Bible. The word "savior" is mentioned 36 times. The emphasis is on his lordship in our life. You can go into the next point?: You can
0: tell.
2: Share
0: the story?: Yep. OK. So I have another. Story as we talk more about a passion for the church. Um, You know, again, I had explained we decided to go to Bible school when we were 20 years old, and yet we thought in our first couple years of marriage that after we graduated, we were going to go back to Michigan. I had never lived anywhere else in my life. Tim has traveled a lot. He's lived a lot of places. But, um, you know, we had thought that we were going to move back to Michigan and serve in the church that my father-in-law had pastored. But um, during our first year of marriage, um, some things had happened in the church, and um, my father-in-law ended up, um, the church had to close up, and they moved actually to Tulsa. And also, on top of that, Within a few months after that, my parents ended up getting divorced. So, you know, we had to really realize, okay, you know, my world was shaken. Here's what I thought life was going to look like, but yet we knew that wasn't possible anymore. So those first few years, I really had to learn to be content with where I was at and know, okay, God has a plan. He has a perfect plan. It's not about what I thought life was going to be like. And so we ended up actually serving in the local church there in Tulsa, and Tim actually took a job there at the church as well. And so we learned how to be faithful in a church. We began to serve and to volunteer. Um, You know, we just put our foot forward. And, you know, I'm so thankful for that time because it, it wasn't always easy, but again, it made me realize that I was in God's grace at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a a few years later that, you know, we purchased a home, we began having children, and I knew that, oh, I love working with children. And I had gone for children's ministry at Bible school and learned about children's ministry. And so I had started taking um, college classes at the community college there for education. And... It's interesting because that season took almost 20 years for me to complete those classes and to finish my degree, but I wouldn't have it any other way because I was in God's grace and I was following his perfect plan for my life.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's learning that obedience. Um, when, he, when Jesus is our Lord then, then he is our master, We have direction from Him, and so we don't have the right to do with what we want to do. We have to submit, and that's, you know, a lot of people don't like that word. But submission is really, it's what it is. It's a military term, and it means to bring yourself under the rank of another. And so when you are submitted to Christ, then you are submitted Underneath him, you are humbling yourself before him to follow his plan, his purpose, and his direction for your life. And so being part of a church then, being part um, of a community of believers, uh, we have to be faithful Uh, in serving we are bringing ourselves under the leadership of others and serving in the in the church and so the church can be defined uh the greek word is ekklesia and it means to call out from Uh, so we have been called out from the world and into the kingdom of god we've been we've been chosen by god and called out from darkness into light Um, so that is the body of Christ. That is what we call the universal church. Okay, But the universal church is also made up of the local bodies, local believers. And we call that the local church. And so in, um, there's a book called The Local Church by Pastor Bob Yannion, And he makes this statement in that book. He said, God established the local church to help us better understand the invisible church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The local church is something in the visible, tangible world that we can see, come to, join with, and handle. He put the local church in the natural world to help us understand the universal church that is in the spiritual world. And so Jennifer's going to read a statement that we actually have online on the wearefuge.net website um, concerning what we believe about the church.
0: It says God chose people, specifically a community of people called the church, to carry out his mission on the earth. That means the local church is meant to be God's direct expression of love and acceptance to the world. And anyone who considers themselves a Christian should be an active part of the church. And again, that's right on our website. It's part of our mission here at Refuge.
2: So if you believe that you're a believer, then we all are to be an active member, an active part of the church. God has called each and every one of us to serve somewhere in his church. And and you may be visiting today from from another church. Um, if you're out of town, I just want to encourage you, be a blessing to your church. Be a blessing to your pastor. Serve and be faithful where, where you're, you're at. Um, God has not called us to be a spectator. He didn't call us to be a seat warmer. He called us to be an active member, to do something with our hands. And um, you know, I've said this before. Baby Christians, if if you have a baby, you have to um, put a bib on that baby, and you have to spoon feed them. But when you're an adult, that bib comes off, and you put on an apron, and you get to serving people. And so that's what God has called us to do: is to serve one another. You know what? Jesus Himself was a servant. He said. Um, I I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus was a servant. In fact, um, I'm just going to skip in my notes a little bit. um, But in in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 9, or 2 through 9, Jesus, or I'm sorry, Paul makes this statement. He says, complete my joy, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not on. Your, uh, I lost my place. I'm sorry. Let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others. So we are to look on, our, on other people's interests, not be so caught up in our own little world, and our own uh, little area of our involvement, but look on other people. Look on other people's needs and, and serve one another. And, and then he gives an example of Jesus. He says, "...have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus." And then he tells you what Jesus did. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So in eternity past, before Jesus ever came to this earth, he had perfect fellowship with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. He enjoyed the glories of heaven, all his rights and privileges that he had as being God. But he did not count that equality of being one with the Father something to hold on to, something that 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 is my right, that is my privilege, I'm going to hold on to my right. Hold on to my, my privileges. No, he didn't do that. He, he didn't hold on to those things. And he, it says that he emptied himself. He emptied himself of his rights and his privileges by taking on the form of a servant. Being found in the, in the, the fashion of a man and humbled himself. And became obedient even to the death of the cross. So humility is taking the low place, very similar to submission, bringing yourself under. When you are submitted and humble, then you are obedient. So Jesus was a servant, and we are supposed to be like him. So we have to be servants. We have to be faithful. In, in the In the church, and um, I, w- I just want to mention this: there is a connection to the Lordship of Christ and being submitted to him and being, con- su- being committed and submitted to the local church, and so the English word now I-, I mentioned that the Greek word for church is ecclesia the English word for church, where we get our English word, it actually comes from the Greek word karyakos, okay? And I'm not sure how, if I'm pronouncing that right. And the word Lord means kyrios. The same root word that's in Lord is in the word church, Okay? So therefore, the word, the English word, that Greek word where we get that from, it literally means belonging to the Lord. So if you are part of the church, you belong to the Lord. So he has the right to speak into your life and to give you direction. And, and so I'm, I, I think of the uh, Apostle Paul and in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, the very first verse, um, Paul writes this. He says, "Paul, a bond servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle." So Paul's identity was not in his ministry office of the apostle. He, that was just something he was called to. Paul identified himself as a bond servant. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? What is a bondservant? A bondservant is that, uh, a servant that an owner owns. Paul identified himself as being owned by Christ and a servant of Christ. That is our identity. God owns us. Jesus owns us because of the precious blood. We are his. We belong to him. And we are his servants.
0: So God has called us to serve. And like Tim had explained that Jesus served, in Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So for us, you know, if we need to be able to serve too, and, um, you know, I just wanted to explain some practical ways that, you can serve. The biggest thing is really just giving of your time, talent, and your tithe. And the way you give your time is just showing up, just coming to church, supporting what the church is doing. Um, Not just coming to Sunday morning gatherings, but getting hooked up with small groups, Getting to know other people, fellowshipping, building that relationships, digging deeper into the word and building up your relationship with God and and with others. Giving of your talent would be volunteering. All of us have different gifts and talents. You know, giving of um, maybe you uh, like to work with children. Well, hey, there's plenty of opportunity for that. Or even just hosting, greeting people. You know, maybe you like to serve with cooking. There's so many different ways that you can volunteer your time. And then through your tithe, just giving gifts, giving your tithe, your 10%, and even giving offerings just to support the work of the ministry. You know, things just don't happen to happen. God doesn't pour down, okay, here's all the money that you need. He works through us. We're his vessels. And he expects us to be able to give to the work of the ministry through our tithe. And then another scripture uh, for us to be serving each other is Galatians 5.13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Sometimes we're so focused on ourselves and what we're going through that we don't think about others. But God didn't call us to do that. We cannot look on ourselves. We have to look to each other. You know, another person is probably going through something a whole lot worse than you are. And it's important that we serve one another and serve one another with love.
2: So another verse... um... Is in First Corinthians 12 18, and this is in the New King James Version. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as He pleased. So each one of us has a function in the body. We all have a job and a purpose to fulfill in the body. And so notice that it says, as he pleased. He placed us in the church where He is where it pleases Him. So, on the flip side of that, if we are not functioning in the purpose and the place that God has placed us, if we're not operating in that place and we're doing our own thing, then we are not fully pleasing to Him. Because we have to be functioning in that place. And so, honestly, I have noticed... Throughout the years, and me, my dad was a pastor um, all my life growing up, so I grew up in the church, very involved in his church um, I, I worked for another larger ministry in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for eight years there, and then being on staff here, involved heavily in this in this ministry for twelve years and so you put all those together i 've been involved in church for over thirty years and and seeing things, and you know you learn a lot from observing, and so I have observed over the years in, in various places where I have lived that those who who didn 't stay in their place, didn 't stay in the purpose that God had for them, but, but wanted to do their own thing and try to elevate themselves. it never went well with them um, it, it it always was a great hindrance in their life and they never fulfilled the potential that God had for them ever and they opened themselves up to the attack of the enemy because they got out of their place the place that God designed for them and I think of a of a an older youth pastor that I had growing up in my dad's church and um He had so much potential, so much um, giftings and, and, and could teach, but he always wanted to do his own thing. He always um, thought he was better than what he really was. And so he became offended. See, when you get out of your place, the attack of the enemy can come in to cause you to be, take offense at things. And so he became offended and and left. And and you know what? He is not in the ministry today. What happened was he had an affair with his wife, got a divorce, and never fulfilled what God had for him. See, I had a, a saying that I heard years ago, and it's always stuck with me. You get out of your place, you get out of God's grace, and you'll fall on your face. You get out of your place, you're out of God's grace, and you will fall on your face. Because if you try to elevate yourself up, God's grace is not there to keep you in that position, so, it's, so you'll just fall. So I'm telling you guys from experience and seeing things, find your place in the body, in the church. Be faithful there. Don't get in a hurry to elevate yourself into some other area because it'll only get you into problems. And have a heart of a servant. There's a difference between just serving because a need needs to be met and you're grumbling and you're complaining and you have a bad attitude. I've been there. I know what that's like. I'll be honest with you. I always did not have a good attitude working with children. It's tough. It's hard work. And you know what? God had to deal with me about that. And you know what he said to me? He said, you're only looking at it as from just being a slave. You're not looking at it from a lifestyle of servanthood. There is a lifestyle of servanthood. And that involves your motives. Okay, so submission then is more than just compliance. It is more than just agreement. It's when you disagree with something and you don't necessarily see it eye to eye, but you are humbling yourself under that and you are obedient no matter how you feel. However, that word submission though implies more than just willing more than just obedience but willing obedience um isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 says if you are willing and obedient you shall eat the good of the land the obedience deals with the action the willing deals with the motive so our willingness our motives check your motives why am i serving okay and so servanthood is a lifestyle Um, Let me say this uh, um, along these lines. One of the foundational verses that the Lord gave Pastor Matt when this church started many years ago, he said, Upon this rock, I, I am building my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell will not be against it. And so you have to be connected to the church. Not just the body of Christ as a whole, but each in, in a local church. Whether you're a member here or a member somewhere else, be a part of the local church. Have the covering of that local church over you. Because if you get out of your place from the church, from the body, then you're out here in nowhere's land where the gates of hell can prevail against you. But it's under the covering of the church where the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And so it's getting under the covering of the leadership of the church, of the body. And so I want to recommend a, a book to you. It's called Undercover by John Bevere. We have all our leadership team go through this, and there's a, we have it in our small group. Um, if you're interested in learning more about this topic, we have some books. I can get a book, too, to you. But this is such an important topic um, that it's just not talked about enough but we have to get in alignment, okay? Um,
0: another scripture verse that talks about being humble and submitting yourself to one another is in 1 Peter 5, verse 5 through 6. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. I mean, this scripture verse has so much content to it. But really, it just means that we are to submit ourselves to one another. Um, You know, when you're young, when you're in your 20s, I've been there. I, I thought I knew everything, but you don't. The older you get, the more you realize, the less you know. And we have to be humble and admit when we're wrong and be willing to learn from the elders. And there are principles that are in the word of God and the things of God that that will not go on to the next generation if if they're not taught. It's important that we work together as a team with all the generations.
2: Yeah. And so part of humility is honoring and so we honor those um, that we are serving with. We honor those who are above us in, in, in leadership. And so we honor our pastors. We, we honor um, a team member who is um, over our department. And we respect them and we follow their, their direction. And so honor um, is such a vital topic and that's so much related to humility, and so a verse in 1 Samuel chapter two verse thirty it says, Far, um, God says this um, to Eli Eli um, and his sons rejected the commands of God and, and, and rejected um, from doing the uh, sacrifices the way God intended and mandated in in the law." And God says to him, Far be it from me, those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And so the word honor there goes, and I'll just real quickly, the word honor there goes back to, in ancient times, the concept of weight and measures. When, st- when something was valuable, it weighed a lot and would bring that scale down. And something that was insignificant cheap not worth a lot would be very light and so that word honor there is the hebrew word kavod which means heavy weighty and if something was of value if something was esteemed highly and 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 just treasure it would be weighty something that would be insignificant cheap would be light And so um, have you ever had a watch that it was your work watch, and you just pitched it on your counter. If it got scuffed up, you didn't care. But on Sunday or when you went out with your wife or or on a a date or something, you wore your nice watch. You treated that nice watch different. Um, You esteemed it more valuable. But the cheap watch you just threw around and you worked on it uh, worked your job with it, and you didn't you didn't care about it. You treated it insignificantly. So this goes back to honor. When we honor someone, we are treating them with value. We are esteeming them as they are worth a lot. They are they, we we treasure them, and so we are we honor one another. We are to honor one another. We are to as husbands, we are to honor our wife. We are to treat our wives. Uh, as with value, wives are supposed to honor their husbands. As members of the church, we honor one another. As church members, we honor our pastors. We treat them with respect and value what they say. We allow them to speak into our lives. Um, Pastor Matt and Pastor Deb, we have given them the right to speak into our lives. Um, just this week, Pastor Deb told I was having a conversation with her and, and about something and you know what she, and she told me you know what Tim um, that's pride that you have and you know what so I was like you know what you're right that is so we we all deal with this stuff in our lives but we have to allow people in our lives to speak into that and to and when they give us direction to submit or bring ourselves under that direction And so we esteem them, we honor them. And so when Pastor Matt or whoever is up here, we honor them when they're speaking. Because you know what? They are representing Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, he he that receives you receives me. And him that receives me receives the one who sent me. So when Pastor Matt or whoever is up here or or a minister that, that you're listening to they're just not pastor matter that or that minister but it is Jesus speaking through that individual so you need so what we need to do is honor them as though Jesus himself was up here in their physical body speaking directly to to us because it that it's the minister or the pastor is God's mouthpiece to that congregation and so um, uh, real quickly, um, in Luke's gospel, chapter 8, uh, the parable of the sower, the, the seed that was sown along the path. In Luke's gospel, Luke's account is the only account that mentions this. The seed that was sown along the path, and, the, and it says that the, the seed is laid on the top, and it talks about the birds of the air coming and stealing that seed, which is um, symbolic of Satan coming and stealing the word from people who've heard. Luke's gospel is the only gospel that mentions this phrase. It says, and it was trodden underfoot by men. The seed was trodden underfoot. Why was the seed trodden underfoot? Because the people who heard it didn't have respect for that seed. They didn't esteem it or honor it. If they esteemed or honored that seed that was sown, the word that was preached, they would have been like this. Oh, there's a seed. Ooh, I want to stay away from that. Don't want to trample that. They have respect for it. Okay? So when the word is being taught, we have to honor it. We have to receive it as Jesus himself was up here speaking. So how, what are ways that we can trodden the word? By not taking, not paying attention to it. By doing this while the sermon's being taught on social media, flipping, sending text messages. Um, there was a guy in my dad's church. Every Sunday morning, he'd be on the front row, and he saw fit to find time in his week that that was his time where he would cut his fingernails. Right on the front row, every Sunday. That's not honoring the word that's being taught. So when we honor the word that's being taught, when we honor that minister, we're paying attention. We're taking notes. We're drawing on the gift that God placed in that person. So anyways, there's a lot we could, we could share about this topic. Um, but Well, the worship team can come up. You have anything else to say?
0: You pretty much covered it. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you skipped around. But, um, you know, you, you might be here and, yes, maybe you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've not fully committed your life to him. And I would just encourage you to really reflect as we close out this morning and ask God, am I truly following after you and following your plan for my life? Because I'm telling you, even though it may feel like you're taking the long way through, God's grace is sufficient. And it, it's so easy when you walk with God by your side.
2: So if you are here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord, the master of your life, that treasure of your life, that is the first step to take. So with every head bowed and, and every eye closed, if you want God in your life, if you want to make him the absolute treasure of your life, the Lord of your life, to come under his guidance, under his direction, under his leadership, I want to, you to lift your hand. Okay, I, Thank you, I see that hand. You can, you can put it down. Let's just pray this prayer together. Here at Refuge, we call it the Believer's Prayer. And it's a prayer that if you have saving faith in Christ, that we come to him and we acknowledge him, the Lord of our lives. So if you would repeat this prayer after me. Dear Father God, I come before you now. I acknowledge I am a sinner and in need of a savior. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin and shame. I believe that you have um, caused him to be raised from the dead. And he lives right now. I ask that you would come into my life. Make it what you want it to be. Give me a new purpose and direction. I surrender myself to you. And I make you the Lord of my life. Amen. And you may be a a church member out there, whether here at this church or maybe you're a, a member at another church. But something in this message convicted you about taking your place In the body and and serving in the body. As we worship God, as the worship team sings this song, let this time be a time of consecration, a setting apart of yourself to do what God has directed you to do in the body. Let this time be a time of consecration. And maybe you need to ask God to forgive you of being. I'll be honest with you, lazy and not taking your place. Maybe you need to go to someone and ask them to forgive you if you have bitterness or offense to one another. Let this time be a time of consecration. Thank you all for your attentiveness to God's word. Let's just stand to our feet and let's just worship God.
0: At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.